Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Costa. Question for you, friend. When was the last time you updated your automated emails? While automated emails are amazing because they can make you money on autopilot and they feel very set it and forget it, I like to say that they are set it and forget it ish. Because what you set up a year ago or even just six months ago might not be perfectly fitting with your business today. And considering it's still Q1 of the year, it feels like a good time to review our email marketing automations to see if they could use any updating. To help you figure that out, we're going to talk through some of the things you should consider when deciding if you need to update your automated emails or not. One of the most obvious signs is going to be your metrics and how are those emails performing? And we're definitely going to cover that. But before we get into the nitty gritty of the numbers, I have a few other things I want you to think about or consider when deciding if it's time to update your emails. So first up, have you added new products to your assortment? Depending on how you set up your automations in the first place, you may have had a pretty heavy focus on certain collections or products based on what your business focus was at the time. If you worked with me, you probably have dynamic blocks in those automated emails that show different content based on the products that someone purchased, like in your post-purchase email. So go back and look at what your emails are focused on selling and see if you need to add in new information about your products. For instance, a client I had worked with in the past had one main product that she was focused on when we first set up her emails. Fast forward a year later, and she had expanded her product assortment, so we went in and updated the emails to be less about that one product and included more about the rest of her range. From her welcome flow to her abandonment emails and even her post-purchase series, There was so much additional content that we could add, so we refreshed them to ensure that they were in line with what she had to offer today and her business goals. And that's the second thing on the list you'll want to think about. Have your business goals changed? Were there certain products you focused on before that now aren't as important? Or maybe you used to market your business one way and now you're marketing it in a different way. Using that same client as the example, her initial product was about self-expression and creativity, whereas with the addition of the new product line, there was a heavier weight put on clean beauty. And in fact, both were still a focus from a marketing perspective, so we created a sort of choose-your-own-adventure type experience in her emails. Another thing that might be different since you initially set up your emails is that you know a lot more about your customers. 
You've likely received more reviews, had more conversations on social media, and have more customer service inquiries. All of these conversations you've been having with your customers are telling you so much about why they do and don't buy from you. This is all information that you can use to create better converting emails. One of the biggest things I see hang people up is not really knowing what to say or how to talk about their products. But the best way to talk about them is the way your customers talk about them. Look for the words they use when they refer to your products. What do they love most about the product? How does it make them feel? Why do they buy it? What transformation has it made for them? Those are the messages you want to share inside of your emails. The idea of email marketing, or any marketing for that matter, isn't to sell your product. It's to inspire people to buy your product. Our job as marketers is to figure out what makes people whip out their credit card and give them more of whatever that is. And those insights are right there in your product reviews, your social media comments, and your customer service inquiries. You know what else is hiding in there? The reason people don't buy from you. Yep, their objections. And one of my favorite tips for creating better converting emails is to overcome those objections before the customer has a chance to have them. This is especially true in your browse and checkout abandonment emails. Answer those frequently asked objections. <laughs> I mean questions. Sure, FAQs answer questions, but they also have the power to overcome objections, so be mindful of what you're including in them. You can also share reviews that specifically overcome the most common objections that your customers have and ultimately remove the uncertainty from their buying decision. Another reason you might want to update your emails is because something in your customer experience has changed. Have you added a rewards and referral program? Do you have a new returns process or is there anything else important you want to make sure your customers know about when shopping with you? And then lastly, before we get to the benchmarks, another reason you might want to refresh your emails is because you've either updated your branding or you've just gotten better with the email builder and your design capabilities. Now, I would never tell you to compromise customer experience or your marketing messaging for design, but I get that visually appealing emails are on most of our wish lists. So maybe you initially created your emails with the built-in template Clavio offers, you weren't that great at design, or you just want to elevate the look of your emails to match your new brand aesthetic. Whatever the case, that's a perfectly good reason to refresh your emails. Okay, so now let's talk about the data. Let's assume none of the above actually apply to you. Or maybe they do, but you're just wondering if it should be a priority for you right now because you have so much else going on in your business. I totally get it, and I appreciate that you're being intentional about where you put your focus. If either of those are true for you, then it really does just come down to the data. I'm going to share some benchmarks that you can use to figure out if your automated emails are performing well or not. Now, before I go through these, remember that they are not hard and fast rules about email performance. They are guideposts to figure out how you're doing in a general sense. So yes, while you can certainly check your stats against these numbers to see if you might need a little tweaking, that doesn't mean you should obsess over reaching those numbers. Focus on being better than you were yesterday and make incremental improvements. Nothing happens overnight. 
So for the sake of time, I'm going to be giving you benchmarks by flow across all industries, but there are two ways you can look at benchmarks specific to your industry. The first is inside of Klaviyo. They release monthly benchmarks where they compare you to a cohort of your peers. They use a lot of different factors to identify your peer group, one of which is the industry you set in your account settings. So if you haven't updated that, you'll want to go do so. They also take into account your list size and sending habits. So there's really trying to compare you to those who are at the same level as you. The second is on the full episode show notes for this episode. Head to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash 101 to see all of the benchmarks broken out by industry. I do like to look at these in addition to your individual benchmarks because these are just averages across industries without any other bias like list size, sending habits, etc. Ultimately, I think both are good to be aware of as long as you take them as they are just benchmarks. For each flow, I'm going to give you the open rate, click rate, conversion rate, and revenue per recipient. Let's chat a bit about what influences these metrics at a high level. And then as we go through each flow, I'll give you some tips and tricks on how to improve those flows overall. Open rate. So this is the number of opens your email received divided by the number of emails delivered. And it's expressed as a percentage. Know that in most cases, your open rate is an aggregate number, which means if I open your email more than once, it will count all of those opens. Open rate is influenced by your subject line, the audience you're sending it to, and when they receive your email. Click rate. This is the number of clicks your email received divided by the number of emails delivered. Click rate is influenced by the audience, the content inside the email, and the actual calls to action or the words you use to tell them what to do. Then you have conversion rate. So this is the number of orders placed divided by the number of emails delivered, also expressed as a percentage. Conversion rate is mostly influenced by relevance of the offer to the recipient, the experience they receive when they land on your website after clicking the email, and time of day can have a pretty big impact here too. And then lastly, we have revenue per recipient. So this is the total revenue divided by the number of emails delivered. This is, of course, directly related to the rest of the metrics, but ultimately it's your site experience and ability to drive an increase in your AOV that's going to have the biggest impact here. Okay, so let's start with your welcome series. First, we're going to talk about the benchmarks, and then I'm going to go into some recommendations. So open rate, 46.49%. Click rate, 6.88%. Conversion rate, 2.03%, and then revenue per recipient, $2.49. So how can you improve the performance of your welcome flow? First up, if you're giving the customer their discount on the success page of your signup form, stop doing that. You want to train them to go look at your emails. You'll also want to test the content inside of your emails. Sometimes the less content in the first email, the better. A quick hello, here's your discount, and a button to go shop is all you need. For other businesses, having a bit more about the business and the founder in the email works better. It honestly depends, so I recommend you set up an A-B content test and let it run for 30 to 90 days depending on how many people you have moving through your emails. Additionally, and this is true for all emails that have the goal of generating revenue, 
is to make sure that your website is optimized to increase your average order value. The easiest way to do this is with a cross-sell app. If you don't have a wide product assortment, try creating a digital product instead. I'll put links in the show notes for some other episodes you might want to listen to about those things. Now on to abandoned checkout. Open rate, 43.22%. Click rate, 7.99%. Conversion rate, 3.85%. And revenue per recipient, 4.45%. One of the first things I would check on in an abandoned checkout email is the delay time of the first email in the flow. In my experience, one hour is the best here, and you'll want at least two follow-up emails. These won't convert as well as the first one, but they're still really powerful. I also encourage you to add a second return to cart button above the list of products, especially if your customers tend to buy a lot of items in one transaction. Why make them scroll more than they have to? Try testing your actual call to action text too. I find return to cart gets more clicks than complete your purchase, probably because it feels like less of a commitment. And then lastly, if you take no other advice from me today is to add objection handling content into these emails. This could be in the form of FAQs or product reviews, maybe even an explainer video doesn't really matter what the content is. The goal is to overcome whatever might be holding them back from making the purchase right now. Next up is your browse abandonment. Open rate, 44.68%. Click rate, 6.66%. Conversion rate, 1.05%. And revenue per recipient, $1.18. Before we get into ways you can improve your browse abandonment, I want to make sure you all fully understand what browse abandonment is and how it works. First thing is that not all platforms have this. The only ones I know of offhand are Klaviyo and I think OmniSend does too. And browse abandonment just means that someone visited a product page. They didn't even necessarily add it to their cart. So this is really early in the shopping process as compared to the abandoned checkout flow, which means they've actually hit the start checkout button. Additionally, on Klaviyo, the browse abandonment email is related to one product, the first one they looked at right before they triggered the browse abandonment flow. And by the time they get the browse abandonment email, they've probably looked at a bunch of other products. So there are ways for you to adjust who actually qualifies for this. Like maybe they have to look at two items before you trigger a browse abandonment, but that's a conversation for another day. I just want to make sure you realize how non-committal the customer is at this point in the journey with you. So when I create a browse abandonment email, it's going to be a very gentle nudge back to what they were shopping for. And I'm probably going to show them some other recently viewed products too. If you have a smaller assortment or are a one product store, you can go a little bit deeper with this email. For instance, I work with a client that has a handbag brand. She's got like five or six main styles. So in her browse abandonment email, we went really deep onto that one product. How you approach this is going to depend on your business. But as long as you approach it from the customer's perspective, you'll be all right. The browse abandonment flow is also where you can throw in some objection handling content like product reviews and frequently asked questions. And then lastly is your thank you flow. Open rate, 55.59%. 
Click rate, 4.62%. Conversion rate, 0.55%. And revenue per recipient, 41 cents. Now, of course, this email has a pretty low conversion rate and revenue per recipient, but that's to be expected because this is really more about nurturing the relationship and making a great first impression versus getting a sale. But they do generate some revenue. So how can you make better use of this highly opened email without losing the intention behind the email? The thank you flow is a great place to cross sell a no brainer item. Now, if you're already doing this on your site, kudos, and you likely don't have to do it in email too. But I know sometimes we hesitate to add apps to our stores, and so email is a good backup option. The trick is you want it to be a no-brainer for most purchasers. So what is the one thing that almost everyone would benefit from or would want? For instance, if you sold shoes, then a leather shoe cleaner would be really great. If you sell press-on nails, you could offer them a cuticle oil. You get the idea, right? Now, I don't want this thank you email to be confused with the post-purchase education email you've probably heard me talk about before. The thank you email is a super simple thank you email, generally from the founder saying, thank you for supporting our business. Where the post-purchase education email I reference is in addition to this thank you email and has a lot more educational content in it to ensure your customer has a great experience with your product and will come back to leave you a positive review. So friend, what do you think? Have you heard anything today that makes you think it might be time to give your automations a refresh? If not, that's okay. I recommend you take a peek at your automations every six months or so to see if then might be the time. If yes, then it's all about when you're going to do that, right? Ultimately, you have to balance that with everything else going on in your business and you have to prioritize. If you have any other big changes coming up that might affect your emails, I would definitely wait until after that's completed so you don't have to do them a second time. But ideally, you would have them updated by the end of Q2 so you can go into the last half of the year with them all ready to go. Q1 is probably better, but that might not be possible for you depending on what else you're working on. If you're thinking that you want to get them updated, but you need a little help, let's chat, message me on Instagram. Let's see if it makes sense for us to work together. Don't forget to check the show notes for links to the other episodes I mentioned and tune in on Thursday for another installment of our weekly biz bites, quick five minute or less episodes that answer one frequently asked question. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Have a lovely rest of your day and I'll see you on the flip side, friend. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.